This is Rena Friedman Watts, and you are listening to Pop Culture Addicts. Welcome to Pop Culture Addicts, the weekly show that brings you interviews and discussions with people in our pop culture world. You know, that means we get to talk more about movies, more music, more video games, and more. <laughs> Don't miss a week. You never know who's going to be our next guest. So, okay, addicts, are you ready for your pop culture fix? Welcome to Pop Culture Addicts. Our guest today is a podcaster, a producer. She's been a show researcher, and in her own words, if you've listened to my interview with her on Focused on Forward, you would have heard her say she's a story chaser, which actually really explains a lot about her as you get to know her a little more. So let's get to know her. Welcome, Rena Freeman Watts, the host of the Better Call Daddy podcast. Welcome, Rena. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. We are so excited to have you. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, yeah, so thanks for having me. So this is actually the third time that I've had an opportunity to sit down and talk with you. Uh, like I just mentioned, you were on my other show, Focused on Forward. Um, you had me as a guest on your show, Better Call Daddy. And now here we are for round three. So you might have think it, thought at this point, think a thought. That, that's good English, Tim. <laughs> All right. English is difficult. And it is. It's, is. it's my second language after sarcastic. Um, <laughs> So with everything that we've talked about, you might think that we've talked about everything uh, that could possibly be covered in the course of a co podcast conversation, but we're going to go around it. And I think that there's plenty here that we can still chat about tonight. So the, one of the things, though, that I, I really couldn't work into our conversations because we weren't really talking about, um, you know, things that we were talking, we were actually talking about things that were a little more serious in nature when I, when I had you on my show. And of course, when I was on your show. Um, but several of the shows that you worked on, whether it was, uh, Jerry Springer, Judge Alex or Motormouth were all considered to be reality TV. So what is it, or what was it to be a draw for you towards reality TV and working with those shows? Well, I saw a post today on LinkedIn that said it had a, like a meme of somebody slipping and falling. And it said, this is how people get into recruiting. So I think that's kind of similar to how I got into reality TV because I actually started reading the news and weather at an NPR station and wanted to work in radio. And then when I was interviewing at WGN in Chicago for an NPR radio role, I saw that Jerry Springer was looking for interns. And I grew up watching the show. I was born and raised in Kentucky. Those stories didn't seem like too far of a stretch. <laughs> the stories kind of hit a little close to home. Exactly. I was like, oh. You say Kentucky, that. and I'm like, oh, yeah. I was that, like, that that's sounds just like John a dream from down the street. <laughs> <laughs> what was so crazy is anytime there was a Kentucky area code or a Tennessee area code or Alabama, you know, I wanted those area codes. I'm like, oh, I'll take those calls. <laughs> we booked somebody from Tennessee once a week. Tennessee was a goldmine for stories. Kentucky was a goldmine for stories. And I really believe that part of the reason I was able to connect with the guests so well and early on was because I understood them. Sure. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Makes sense to me. You know. Yeah. I mean, if you have cousins that have gotten married or... You know, if you knew a babysitter that was sleeping with a parent that she was babysitting the kids for, you know. 
that sentence gets weird. If you knew cousins that got married, um, <laughs> interesting. Well, you know, I, many people might be like, wow, that's really strange. But Rena's like, ah, that's a Tuesday in Kentucky. We're good. I was like, how long <laughs> has that been going on? <laughs> Who does he want to be with? Oh, my goodness. But yeah, um, I don't know what really gravitated me towards that other than I did grow up watching it. I had friends that were a fan of the show. So that kind of makes it exciting. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to work in the entertainment industry because my family thought that was cool. My grandfather did lights on Broadway, worked in the lighting industry. My dad always kind of wanted to have his own children's show. It's so funny. I'm like, you know, the the guy uh, Blippi on YouTube that all the kids are like wild about now. My dad's like, I could totally be Blippi. Like he remembers as the kid, like watching something called like Mr. Mud or something. Mm. He, he, my dad is kind of like a cartoon character. Like he is the guy that like, you know, we're walking through a mall and somebody's singing happy birthday and my dad will jump in to the mix and sing happy birthday with them. Like, does he harmonize with them? Yeah. Oh, that's actually a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. So he's just, he's a character. Even today I was like, Hey dad, TikToks are trending with like daddies and their daughters you want to do that and he's like I don't even need you to do that he starts dancing and I made a video with my dad doing his own dance you know with his <laughs> 1970s grooves but, oh, love, um, it. love it yeah oh, you say you say blippy and tim just gives me that like I, I can see that knowing look I have a three-year-old blippy's a big thing in our house I, I have an almost waiting. three-year-old so yeah oh my gosh every day every day blippy we have put a we have put a, a damper on the blippy with the you can watch this much blippy and then we need to watch something else please yeah. Yeah. i i would like to else. i would like to report that i'm on day like five thousand of never seeing blippy i couldn't even pick them out of, i could not pick out a blippy uh, uh from a blimpy sub so i i, <laughs> I wouldn't know the difference so you say blippy enough times i know the excavator songs playing in my head i'm an excavator there's some good songs Great. i don't know if he writes them all but i have to say the, i find myself singing along the blippy live in concert actually was like 40 minutes from us in august and it was the do we do it don't we do it do we do it it's like the cheap seats are forty five dollars. No, never mind. Mm -mm. I probably mm -hmm. would have done that. My daughter wanted to do JoJo Siwa. I'm glad we didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was the I'm like, Oof. people are like, it's not even the real Blippy. It's a fake Blippy. I'm like, well, I know he's got a, a he's got an impersonator. Blippi. That's right. how Mickey like is now. Cousin. It's like Blippy and Blippy spinoff. But isn't the Blippy spinoff actually? I think he's actually his cousin, so is that he, he looks enough like him. Interesting. It's something weird, but Tim's He's got like, the moves down the Blippi and the uh, impersonator. Yeah, uh, sounds great. <laughs> I mean, there are some there are some very cool things he's taught, and I I appreciate the the sentiment behind what he does because he started it because he didn't think there was enough educational programming for kids available on YouTube, and it was the hey I can do that, and he created this character and he ran with it and he's incredibly successful because of running with that idea it's like i gotta give him credit for that i also heard the it's other guest conscious. on your show talking about acting and how really good actors make it look easy mm -hmm. so i believe that blippy is an actor like that i think he's had a lot of training you know obviously yeah. he does his little quirky moves and he 
has song, he has animation, he is connected to different stars. I mean, he makes it look easy to do what he's doing, but I think he's had improv training. I think he's had acting training. He's got a right, whole he, crew behind him. He makes it look easy, but I think he's got a lot going on. And before he was blippy, he was a, he was a stand-up comedian at one point. There you go. But yeah, he's, <laughs> Tim's like, I wish to be excluded from this narrative. This is, you get two moms talking about Blippi. It's going to be a while. Hey, you know what? Uh, when I woke up this morning, I did not know we were going to have any Blippi conversation, uh, let alone like, you know, 10 minutes of Blippi conversation. This is fantastic. <laughs> I know zero about Blippi. So I'm, I'm, this is actually educational. You know, for me. the next time Honor comes think... over, we can change that. No, we, no, we can't. Um, yes, we can. <laughs> so thank we you. We can either Blippi. watch Blippi or we can watch Doctor Who. Those are your options now. I'll watch Doctor Who. That's fine. There we go. <laughs> so not only then, did Blippi set out to make an educational show, but I got educated from you guys being educated from his educational show. It's a lot of education. Yeah. And doing the bulldozer dance and knowing the difference between excavators and backhoes and it's important stuff. Now I'm going to have yeah, to go watch five knew. minutes of it just so I can figure out what the hell you guys are talking about. <laughs> I never knew the difference between a backhoe and an excavator, and now I do. Yeah, definitely. Thank you, Blippi. <laughs> we should have Blippi on the show, Tim. You should tag him in this. So yeah. you and John will be doing that show, and I'll be... <laughs> Sounds good. All right. <laughs> you know, Rena, I was looking through some of your social media posts, and it's obvious that you were incredibly supportive as w- of women as entrepreneurs. And I really appreciated the term that you used, momtrepreneur, which is fun to say. Um, and given that I both co-host this show, another podcast, and I'm a small business owner, like that term was perfect. I love that term. So what do you think we need to do culturally to make the idea of a mom running her own business, even a small out of her house, one woman operation, more of a cultural standard? Ooh, that is a good question. I have to say, I didn't feel supported in corporate America as much as I do in the entrepreneurial space, because I feel like women who are running their own businesses and they know how hard that is, they really support each other more. Yeah. Like this girl that I just had on, she actually certifies women-owned businesses, diversity-owned businesses, Black-owned businesses. So she's constantly, like, when she's even schmoozing at bars, like, are you gay? Are you a Black-owned <laughs> business? Are you, you know, this? But um, I never even thought to certify my company as that. I'm actually thinking that might be, like, another club I need to join because, you know, now I'm noticing that companies do that. Like I bought some popcorn the other day at the grocery and it said women owned. And, oh. and I was like, Oh, that makes me want to support them now. You know? Right. Yeah. Or I even was listening to something on the radio today and it was like, come support this black owned business. And they have a fashion company and they're putting on an event at this mall. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. And it's like the more people that you talk to that, you interview on shows. It's like, you think of different ideas like that. Like I I would have never even looked at the popcorn. I would have never even considered going to this event, but now that I've had a conversation around it on my podcast, it makes me actually want to support 
locally owned businesses or diversity run businesses, women in business, because I can connect to all of those things. And I'm like, Hey, I'm part of that. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, like I said, I own my own business. I have a bath bomb and soap making business that oh, cool. I just sell at a local antique store that's owned by three sisters who redo furniture. And they've got these antiques that they go to auctions and estate sales. And it's a super cute little secondhand antique store that then they, they do like Dixie Bell furniture redos. And so it's really cool to have that, this women-owned business with my little sub-business out of it. And I'm going to have to talk to them about making sure they get their business certified as women-owned because that's really... Let me know if you need an introduction. I will, definitely, definitely, because I didn't know that you could get certified to be a woman-owned business. That's... Yeah, I didn't know that either. And um, And I wonder what other... Even corporate companies are doing it. Even big corporate companies are doing it. So at first she was doing the smaller entrepreneurial businesses and then she's gotten some larger corporate clients. So I think you know what other sort of pathways that opens then? I mean, as you, after you get that certification as being a women owned, women owned business, are there other grants or things that are only available to those? That's a good question. I don't know all the ins and outs of that, but there are, networking events with other women and diversity owned companies that want to buy from people who are yeah. it's a club it's definitely a club yeah there there are definitely advantages to certifying as a uh, a women owned or a minority owned company uh there are uh, access to specialized grants and loans and, and things along those lines that can help benefit and help you grow uh, your business in, in those instances. Um, but yeah. And then the other aspect is just like Rena said that you're, you know, it is being part of that club. It is because, right. uh, you know, this, you know, if, if you have a, a woman owned business, this woman owned business wants to support this woman owned business or this minority black owned business wants to support this other. And so, uh, you know, the one hand kind of washes the other thing and it, it's the, the small business supporting, supporting small business, and it kind of keeps going that way. So it's a, a great thing if you can do it. I know a couple of people who are certified and they do have advantages from it. Well, that's awesome. And like you said, feeling more supported than you did in corporate America, because corporate America is so patriarchy run and centered and focused that even, I mean, I can imagine with um, even like maternity leave, the difference between how you would be treated in a women owned business versus in a corporate business, there would be a huge difference there. I feel like the pandemic has helped with us. I mean, I can't tell you how many places I interviewed pre pandemic that were like, are you planning? I mean, I was asked questions that probably were like illegal to be asked, like are you having more children? Um, How old are your children? Uh, which time do they get home on the bus? I mean, stuff like that is crazy. Yeah. Right. Things that shouldn't matter, that shouldn't things be that, any of their business. Things that have no uh, way to be <laughs> applicable to how you do your job, why you do your job, anything along those lines shouldn't have mattered. But yeah, exactly. those are the type of things that unfortunately get asked. My last place of employment that was me working directly for someone else really where I was clocking in, you know, nine to five or whatever. Uh, They wanted me to, after a year of a very successful sales year where I met all of my goals and some, he wanted me to renegotiate how many work from home days I had. And I think 
it was like a stretch asking for like eight or something like that. And I'm like, I'm a mom. I was a mom of three at the time. I'm like, if one of my kids gets sick, I'm like, there's all my days, you know? Right. It's like, I'm not going to sign that. So. No, you shouldn't yeah. have. Absolutely Whereas not. With my, with my current job, I mean, I work, I only work one day a week right now. And it's the, the stores open on Saturdays. They need somebody to come in on Saturdays. If my daughter's having a bad day and doesn't want to stay home with my husband and with her grandma, I just text my boss with the, Hey, so Honor wants to come to the store with me today. And they're like, oh yeah, sure. Not a problem. It's like, sweet. <laughs> I'm glad that you're okay with that because otherwise I can't come in because she's attached to me. Surgically yeah. some days. <laughs> Today's been That's one really cool. Although I'll say like this girl that I just interviewed, the one that certifies the businesses mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, she's a mom of five. And when I asked her what a typical day in the life of her life was like, she was like, I get up at 3.30 to oh. 4 a.m. to work out, no. to plan my day, to make sure the lunches are ready. To, I mean, I'm not that disciplined. I'm not that disciplined. Yeah. I am glad that there are people in the world who can do what she did, but there are not two four o'clocks in one day. I'm sorry. No. And if there <sighs> are, it's only because I woke up because I have to pee. Like, no. That's a valid reason. I'll go with that. There's two four o'clocks <laughs> for that. Uh, so, Rena, in your reality TV show world, you worked a lot as a researcher. We talked about this just briefly, uh, uh, Kentucky. Uh, but we had a, <laughs> which I think had a lot to do, obviously, and clearly about your love of the story and being able to search for the story, uh, looking for the perfect people, places, things, and, and, and how the story all came to be and, and how that story got built. So if you don't mind, uh, take us through the process that you would go through to find the perfect people, places, things to, to build a story for these shows? Yeah, that's a great question. When I did like court TV research, I would say 90% of the cases are people being evicted. So those stories get old, right? But then occasionally you find somebody that's through a water bottle, a metal one at someone's vehicle. And they're getting sued for the damage. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's good. You know, (laughs) or somebody suing someone over the wrong crossbred animal. They ordered a Z horse, but they got a Z donkey. You know, those are the kind of stories that would stop me in my tracks and have me call the producer in L.A. And I'm like, I want to make sure we get the story before anybody else does. I am sending it immediately. I'll take a picture of it and then I'll scan it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Z horses and Z donkeys are real things. Yes, I got an education on that. And let me tell you, that will send you down a complete rabbit hole on Google. So be careful. I'm making a there note is, so I can re-Google, I can uh, rabbit hole in just a couple of minutes. There's so. a farm. Yes, I didn't know about crossbred animals. And I didn't even know that that was legal. But apparently you can order some of these. There, there was anyway, when I lived with my parents, there's a, a, there was a little farm in Hickory Corners, Michigan that had zebras and Z-donks. Yeah, note made. That's going to get looked at in a few minutes. <laughs> Which is hilarious because then if you look where Hickory Corners is and everybody's like, wait, that's a that's a place? Like, yes, yes, it and is. you're like, that's a what? <laughs> it, it's about this big, but it's big enough that there's a farm with donkeys and horses and, donkeys. and zebras. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was friends. We were we drove by and it was the. That was a zebra. It's like, 
and we circled back around with the wait, what no, was that it? was that was really a zebra. <laughs> I am so gonna drive by there because I did not know that we had them anywhere in West Michigan. So okay. And you know where hickory is. I do. So this this is gonna be a thing. <laughs> totally gonna be a thing. I am learning so much tonight. And then too, when I casted for divorce court for a little bit. I had just had my daughter and I was like, "Ah, she's like at the age where like you just strap her in the Bjorn and she'll sleep on you. So I was like, I could totally hand out flyers like where people are filing for divorce and book some stories with my daughter sleeping on me. Right. Like that seems like the perfectly logical thing to do. And so I went from looking through small claims cases to standing outside, you know, where people are going to file for divorce and uh, booking guests that way. But I got a kick out of it because people are like, are you divorced? And I was like, well, if I would have married my first fiance, I would have been, but (laughs) But it was just, it was a lot of fun and people get excited about meeting somebody that could possibly get them on television. I also casted for a short time, America's Got Talent. And I was scouring YouTube and looking for undiscovered talent. And who did I know that was the diamond in the rough? (laughs) And there's no better feeling, one, than finding the story. And then two, being able to make someone's dreams come true like that. That's awesome. That would be really cool. Yeah, Yeah, it is. Like I got somebody through the first round and it really changed her life and the direction that she's going now. So that was pretty cool. That is super cool. cool. That would be such a cool experience too. Like, I mean, I love watching shows like that. I love America's Got Talent and American Idol. And I know that what you see on TV is not what you actually experience, but even just the, the doors that that opens for people is really cool. Yeah. I I even had, I had a cousin that, well, it was actually a first cousin of my husband and she had sang locally, maybe at like some farm farmers markets and things like that. And locally at some bars, but she performed with another guy. He was a seasoned musician. Also, it was like her, her dad's uncle or something or her dad's brother. And, um, she had never really performed on such a huge stage before, but they made a recording in their living room and, you know, her uncle was a professional musician. So they were able to make a very good audition tape and yeah, it got her through the first That's round so cool. and awesome. in front of hundreds of people and she got her chance. And then she got, you know, more training. She was only 14. So she didn't really have the stage presence yet. She was mm-hmm. very nervous, but she got through the first round and then she started creating on YouTube and getting more of a following on Instagram. Now she's got like 30 or 40,000 followers on Instagram and she's had multiple offers from agents and producers and things like that. But had she not gotten through the first round of America's Got Talent, I don't think she would have had the the confidence or, or maybe I just, I don't even think that that she would have tried as hard or, or really believed in herself. Like her getting through that first round really, it's like, oh, wow, maybe I could go this direction. So I could totally see why that would be a confidence builder and why that would give somebody the, the impetus to say, I can go forward. I can do this because I was able to do this. You know, they told her like she was the next Kelly Clark. Then I mean, somebody telling you that 
and on depending, on, like that. depending yeah. on who the judges are at that point that that's a, so pretty impressive people to impress impressive people to impress that sentence makes sense i'm glad i could patch my english skills onto you you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> your brain is contagious this is not cool <laughs> i got oh, i got the big brain i'm passing it on to you there you go no no <laughs> not fair so i've we're... actually been on a reality show too oh you have so i've been on the other side i i'm not sure which i i think i prefer being behind the scenes actually which reality show were you on it's called who wants to be a soap star oh it was in 2004 and one of the hosts was Lisa Renna. She's still pretty popular. Mm-hmm. I forgot. I think what's that girl's name? Lori from full house. The one who her daughter got. Oh yeah. She went to jail. Like, went to college yeah. or whatever. And there was a whole news story about that. Yeah. Oh yeah. From privilege. Uh-huh. So she was one of the guests on my episode. My mom is a huge fan of all my children. My grandmother was a huge fan of all my children. <laughs> I personally just had to watch it because nothing else could watching. happen in the house when all my children was on. So mm-hmm. I, I was forced to watch it. Be quiet and over so, there. My story's around. Sorry, couldn't help myself. Yeah, That's probably so not what, like, what they sounded like, but you know. <laughs> so I I reached out to the show and I said, I'm a third generation all my children fan and told that story. And I said, I'd kind of let myself go. I'd been in a relationship for a couple of years. And, you know, the thing is, is that they're really looking for somebody that is like normal looking, that they can make better looking. They don't want somebody who's too hard to make over. So I fit that bill. And uh, they, they made me look a lot more schleppy than I normally look, you know, <laughs> coming in sweatpants and an oversized t-shirt and don't put on any makeup and no one's right. going to look good like that. Right. And then I just had to tell this story about how I loved all my children and I was a third generation, all my children fan and they bleached my teeth and bought me a dress that I ended up wearing to the Emmys. And they took me on a whole shopping spree and I got to work with the stylist. And then all they want you to do is come out and be excited. I mean, that's very easy to do. You look like a million bucks, you know? Right. Fair enough. And it's so short. It's, it's so short. Yeah. Like the majority of the filming is, is you being made over. So that was a lot of fun. I could go for a makeover show. Sounds like fun. Sounds like fun. I just want to wear the sweatpants she was talking about. That sounds comfortable. Tiff so. was like, I look good in an oversized t-shirt and sweatpants. What are you talking about? I was just part of a Freaking brand new beautiful. Shoot. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I was just part of a branding shoot like a week ago with I even brought my daughter to it. We did like, you know, the mommy-daughter shots. And um she also wanted to do a before and after, but yeah, I was like, do we have to do the before part? Like, that is so rough. And Rena's over there like, me, no, no. And I was like, oh, <laughs> uh, like me in running pants and a t-shirt again. Yeah. Um, she was asking me, like, what is my normal everyday attire? And like, what is everybody's normal everyday attire during the pandemic? Something comfortable, right? And then you start thinking about how does that play into your brand? I was like, oh, that's interesting. I probably could use some coaching around that. Like I could, I could snazz up a little bit more, right? Like you're like, I'm good with the t-shirt. Tim's like, wait, oh boy. So I'm supposed to be wearing something other than track pants in a a hoodie? How are we adjusting our brand, Tim? No, that is my brand. That's the problem. I'm, I'm the, I'm the, you know, track pants and hoodie guy. 
uh, I'm wearing a pair of very comfortable pair of Nike basketball shorts at the moment. So, you know, I have my running pants on, but I did throw on a little dress for this after I got asked to respond about what is my style and, you know, what is my personal brand and how does clothing fit into that? I was like, maybe I should change out of my tie dye shirt that I just ran in <laughs> for this interview. It made me think about it before we got on tonight. My brand Jeez. dad bod comfy. Boom. Man, that would be really it. I don't know what my brand is. Like, well, I like bold. I like unfiltered people. I like, the diamond and the rough story. So it was like, let me go with a bold red tonight. <laughs> that, that was why I went with this. It works. Nice. It works. This is the, I, from the waist up, I'm trying to look like I know what I'm doing. You have bold lipstick on though. <laughs> That's about as much as I've got right now. Yeah, you're nailing it. You look put together to me. Oh, that's good. In my, in my pajama jeans, because I don't actually own any real jeans anymore. I just have drawstring jeans yeah no judgment okay no judgment (laughs) so Rena, we had talked a little bit about your show uh better call daddy and just to clear it out there for the internet tim is not my dad or husband a lot of people think we're married no we're not no. no my husband is our editor john he's not on camera he he doesn't do well on camera i love him but he's better on the technical end of things but how did your how did your Better Call Daddy podcast come into existence? And what is your one piece of advice that you pass on to other people looking to start their own show? Ooh, great question. So my show came into existence because my dad is my number one supporter and fan. And he's who I call for most life advice, business advice, relationship advice. And I knew that he wouldn't back out on me. There's very few phone calls where he is actually hung up. There are a few, but very few. And so he's, he's always wanted to have his own show. And I've kind of worked behind the scenes of others for years. And I was like, what better way to show people that I could help them create a show, right? Right. But to create my own. So that's what I did. I, I thought in the beginning that I wanted to kind of take like Jerry Springer stories, everyday people, people who have never even been on a podcast, people that are the diamond in the roughs, right? And give them an opportunity to tell their story. There's so many podcasts and there's so many people that have been on a hundred shows, but I actually get really excited about the people that have never taken the leap to be on a show. Mm -hmm. I've interviewed a bunch of those now. And I think that there's a market for that. And then another thing is that I felt like my dad is constantly giving me really good advice. He's been an entrepreneur for his whole career, 40 plus years. He worked with his parents. He's a stand-up guy to his wife, to his children, to his parents. I was like, that is the kind of wisdom one that the world needs, but that I want to leave as a legacy to my children. Yeah. All of the conversations that we are having are going to be on a wide range of subjects that my kids will know where their grandfather stood in relation to those things. That's awesome. That's so cool. I I haven't listened listened to much of the show. I listened to a couple of little snippets here and there. And it was just the I honestly couldn't do much because I just lost my dad a year ago. And so so even like reading the title of your show, I'm like, okay, I got this. 
I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to make Tim cry again on the show. It'll be fine. We'll, we'll be fine. But I love that it's that you, because you've gone to him for so much advice that you want to, you want to have him share his advice with others. I love that. I yeah, absolutely love thank that. you. You know, what's interesting too, and this was totally unplanned, but it's happened is that I've gotten kind of a mix of people that either have daddy issues or that their dad was a huge inspiration to them. And a lot of those kinds of stories have come my way, which I didn't plan. It was mm-hmm. an awesome byproduct. And mm-hmm. that has been a reoccurring theme. And I think that there's been some community around that that's happening from my show, which is really cool because people are relating in two different ways, but it is around the daddy theme, which is kind of cool. And people are realizing that they're not alone, not alone. Yes. I've had people that have lost their dad. I've had people that have been abandoned by their dad. I've had people that are a dad to 25 people. I had a sperm donor daddy. I've had someone who has chosen to follow so much in their daddy's footsteps. Like I had Stephen Covey on the show and his dad is a world renowned author and business owner. And what is it like to have to live up that name to that name? And can he create a, a life for himself or does he constantly feel like he's filling his dad's shoes? So that was the really interesting conversation. Even the CEO of Taco Bell got into marketing because his dad was in marketing. I had a musician who became a musician because his father was a musician. It's just really interesting, like all of the different ways in which the daddy play has come into it. Yeah. So that is so cool. I will definitely have to listen to more of it, but it's it's just I'm a, I'm it's a, a cool concept. Yes, your story definitely touched my dad. He came up with the title of your episode. Oh, you did? Yes, the intensity of fatherhood. He was oh, like, wow. wow. That is what he said after listening to your story. Oh, wow. I can only imagine, too, the number of stories that I, I know that because of how well I know Tim, that his dad issues have made him a better dad because he doesn't want to be what his dad was. And my husband's the same way. Like, Mine, too. I'm sure that you get that a lot. Luckily, that's the better way to go. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. Right? There's the other way, too. There are other uh, less than shining examples on the other side of the coin. That is for sure. Exactly. Exactly. But I think, too, that that can then be such an inspiration to somebody who's currently stuck dealing with a scumbag of a dad that they can listen to the show and be like, hey, that person had a terrible dad and they're not a terrible person. I can be a good person too. Like, I feel like you've got, you've got the inspiration going for the younger listeners. I try. I I'm just thinking of another story example that I don't even know how they found my show, but it was a guy who had robbed a hotel with brass knuckles and (laughs) his son was getting into all kinds of trouble with the law too, but his dad had spent some time away and they reconnected through my show. I interviewed the father oh, wow. and the son. That was really powerful and really, really interesting. Cool. Yeah. And wow. the kid who was getting into trouble had patched things up with his dad and forgiven his dad for the mistakes and for not being there. And he had lost his mother 
um, she had passed away from like lupus or something. And the two of them had reconnected and the dad became a podcaster and he had gotten into spirituality and then the son got back into spirituality and they were trying to connect. And I felt like they were doing it through my show. It was really cool. That's awesome. You know, Rena, one of the things I, lo- I love about your show, and as I said, I'm a fan, I'm a subscriber. Um, one of the things I, I love about, the, actually two of the things I love about the show is that, and as you kind of alluded to here, is that you have such a wide variety of guests. And I, and I think that makes it for uh, a wide variety, allows for a wide audience. So that's awesome that you do that. Because And I don't think, you know, ever looking back over the course of your show, as I was scrolling through the titles and looking at some of the, the episode, earlier episodes that I haven't listened to yet, I don't think that there's a lot of areas that you haven't touched on yet when it comes to you know, just life in general, you've, you've talked to so many different people in so many different places uh, and things. Uh, but the other thing I, that I love actually is the advice from your dad at the end of the show. Uh, he is an incredibly smart man. And you can, you can tell a, his love for you and, and your children and, and the interactions that you guys have as you're talking. And uh, sometimes it's, it's a serious conversation at the end of the show. Sometimes it's a very silly conversation at the end of the show. But either way, he's he's putting out some really great advice uh, for everyone to be able to listen to. And, I, you know, I just want to thank him for the kind words that he said at, at the end of, of my episode. Uh, it was very kind of him, very, uh, very on point, I thought, for for the conversation that you and I had had. Um, but what I, what I'm curious about here is that now you, you look for this when you have people on your show, you know, you, you look for these, these stories, these diamonds in the rough and, and how their stories can, can be displayed for other people to be able to listen to. But when you're going out and looking at other content creators for shows that you're going to subscribe to, what do you look for? What do you look for in that show for you to say, yes, that's what I want to subscribe to. That's what I'm going to give my listening time to. A lot of the shows that I check out, they either have covered something that I'm interested in or I'm going to have them on my show. So I'm doing research. I am a part of uh, multiple Facebook groups where people can promote their shows. So I'm always looking at what topics other creators are speaking about i i look for something different because there's a lot of shows on moms uh business i'm actually thinking i might want to check out some comedy shows Mm -hmm. this is actually different because you want to talk about pop culture i haven't seen too many shows focused on that I'm I'm looking for something different because I think that there's a lot of life coaches. There's a lot of business shows. There's a lot of entrepreneur shows. There's a lot of mommy shows. I I'm interested in those. If if it's something different. Okay. But it, I had somebody reach out to me. He said, I want to talk about gun violence and interracial relationships and opioid addiction. I was like, well, that's a hell of a interesting mix. Yes. You know, I had a hell of an introduction too. (laughs) (laughs) There's another lady that is a trauma therapist and she worked with a Bill Cosby survivor. I was like, yes. Oh, wow. I interviewed a Jeffrey Epstein survivor. Actually, that was my third episode. It was a long time ago after I watched the Netflix series. I was, I had no idea the amount of women and girls and offenses. And I did not know the, the depth, the depth of that. Yeah. 
So I reached out to a few of the survivors and I was able to interview one of them. And she said that she had never been interviewed by anybody else other than Netflix because she was so concerned about her security and the threats that she had received. And she was just trying to move on with her life. Oh, wow. She connected to me as a mom and yeah, I haven't actually even really spoken to her since. I think that sometimes the clouds open up for a minute and sometimes those opportunities come and go. She was one of those stories. I've had a couple of those stories where like, sure. like, whoa, I can't believe I was able to interview that person and I probably will never talk to them again. <laughs> right. You know, sometimes you, you interview somebody and, and you develop a bit of a rapport with them, a relationship. Um, you're able to, you know, uh, interact with them you know, several times down the road, maybe even, you know, have them back on another show. Uh, and then uh, sometimes it's just, like you said, the clouds open up. If that's your moment to have that discussion and, and you do, you work with what you got, you know, and you take that moment. And I also wanted to answer the second part of your question earlier, where you said, what would I tell other podcasts? Oh, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. There are easier ways to podcast, you could start with doing Instagram lives. That's really good practice in having a conversation and getting comfortable recording and collaborating with other people. I actually want to do more Instagram lives. I want to push myself to be able to speak live and and less edited because my show is heavily edited. There are cheaper ways to produce. You can get a hundred dollar microphone and you can do it on anchor and you don't have to use Podbean and you don't have to hire an editor and you don't have to do fancy graphics. You could just do one cover art picture and have that be your thing. I think a lot of content creators get burnt out on trying to do it all and trying to do it perfect. And there are ways to get started and there are ways to not burn yourself out from the beginning. That's why so many podcasts don't last is because mm-hmm. how much we put on ourselves. Mm -hmm. So my advice would be focus on the part that you love. Like I love connecting to people. I love finding good stories. I love that part. I don't love the editing. That's why I hired an editor. (laughs) I don't love the show notes. So I keep them simple. I ask people for bios when I'm queuing the episode and listening to it. The parts that speak to me is what I put in the summary. Right. Come up, come up with a template of the social media and it doesn't have to be as hard. I I would say simplify as much as possible. If you want to make a show, keep it simple in the beginning so you don't get totally overwhelmed by it because there's more pieces, I think, than people realize. Right. And it is one of those things that you can build as you go, as you build your, your show and you build your show's brand, you can build on it. If you try to take a big bite out at the beginning, you're going to choke. Yeah. Definitely. So this is this being show number three for me, uh, you know, that's definitely something that that I had to learn, you know, as early on when I was doing focused on forward and then moving on uh, into funny science fiction. You know, I had to learn how to, you know, a time management and b that included in that time management was using the time that you did have very well. So you weren't you know, you talked about using templates for social media. Yes, ma'am. Those are amazing that it mm-hmm. speeds things up, uh, hiring an editor, uh, that's, you know, but yeah, so, you know, it, it, that is a very real thing and learning what your limitations are and, and not saying yes to everything that's out there. I think those are a couple areas where people, especially because when you're starting off at a podcast, I don't think you realize how much work is, there actually is to doing it. 
to get it to getting it going. And then I think that everybody thinks, oh, I have to promote it so much. So I have to say yes to everything. Any enter, you know, anytime somebody wants you to be on their show. Yeah, I'll be on your show. Yeah, I'll be on your show. And I think that's where I probably got burned out the most in the beginning is because I was saying yes to everything, trying to get totally trying to get the name and brand out there. What, what else is so funny too, is like when you haven't heard from someone in like a very long time and then they reach back out, they're like, Hey, how are you? You have a podcast now. How's that going? And I'm like, they're getting ready to ask if they can be on it. Right. Yeah. That's the second sentence. That's like the, the person from high school that you haven't heard from in years. Who's like, do you want to buy from my MLM? No, no, I don't need any Amway. Thank you. Move along. <laughs> I know. Uh, the makeup is what I get pitched all the time in my I mean, DMs. There have been some that yes, I've said yes to because I've researched the company, I've researched the product. Sure, I will go with that. But then there are the others who I didn't like you in high school. <laughs> I'm not gonna buy stuff from God you. God bless you. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't talk when we were in high realness. school. Why are we talking now? You right? know <laughs> you haven't talked to me in 11 years. You didn't talk to me when we were in school together, when we were science project, like we were stuck on a project together. I did the project. You walked away. No, I'm not buying crap from you. It's not happening. But leave me a review and we can talk about it. No. <laughs> <laughs> you support my show, I'll support you. Hit the subscribe button and leave me a five star. We'll talk. <laughs> I know. Yeah, so that's another thing. Let's give a little advice to what works well for hosts, <laughs> right? Okay. Listen to a couple episodes first. Leave Absolutely. me a review. Mm-hmm. Comment on an episode that you listen to to get my attention. That actually works. If you warm me up a little bit with some right. of that action, you're going to have right. a lot better chance of getting Absolutely. on. Absolutely. That works. Do some smooth talking. Do a social media post about how much you liked my show and tag me. I'm going to respond to that. I'll see that. I'll, yeah, I'll acknowledge that. Absolutely. Right? I do that for other podcasters. And let me tell you, I've gotten some amazing responses from doing that. If, If I listen to an episode that speaks to me and other podcasters recognize the hustle, right? Absolutely. If you're running out of ideas even for posting, all you got to do is listen to somebody's podcast quote a couple lines from it of something that spoke to you from the episode, do a social media post and tag that person. Boom. You've got a new friend. You're going to have a new conversation around that. Other people like seeing you do that. And it's an easy way to create content. Oh yeah. That's a great idea. Taking notes. (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know, say Tim does a post or a story that I like share that make a two word comment and boom, you didn't need to post that day. You're just supporting somebody you like. That's, yeah. that's actually one of my favorite ways to, to post on social media. Me right there. too. That works grandly. Yeah. People always think that you have to do all these big flowy posts and all these, this information, you can actually have a, a sincere and honest, simple post that gets much more traction than, you know, the war and peace that, you know, Joe, Joe podcaster did, you know, over there. It's because of the intent of what you're doing. The intent of the content is what I look at. You know, mm-hmm. what are you trying to, you know, do? What are you trying to, the message you're trying to get across? It, it, there, there's so much more that can be done with something that's simple. It's true. And like, I am, I am definitely a newbie to podcasting. I mean, my first 
my first interview was in February. Like, and it was a, hey, so we've got so-and-so guest coming in. And I'm like, yes, yes, please. I would, I would very much like to interview that person. That's not how that went. <laughs> it's sort of how it went. That's how it went in my mind. Uh, that's how it went in your mind. And reality was, hey, you're getting this guy in the show. I'm going to be your co-host. <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay. So, and, you know, kind of went from there. I, I mean, started was, that way. I totally it, it started by co-hosting someone else's show. And it started for me where I was booking them guests. And then we're like, hey, you're booking great guests. Would you like to co-host? We'd like a women's opinion. It was like a two-guy show. And then they decided to bring me on for some of the episodes. And then that got me really excited. And then I started booking other podcast guests. And then I, it started getting me excited again. I was like, wow, I love the booking guest part. And I love the chiming in part. I was like, maybe I, it started planting the seed. So maybe after this, you'll do your own show too. <laughs> I don't know if I can handle that. <laughs> That's a lot. Well, I, you know, for me, uh, I love the booking of the guests, you know, and it's because I, I come from a background of sales, so it's kind of the thrill of the hunt, so to speak. Um, oh yeah. And, and you know, oh, the, yeah. and so you get, you get that good guest and I get excited and there's such a, there is such an adrenaline rush when you, when you book a guest that you've been, you've been chasing after and you're excited to get, and you're excited to talk to, and then you book them. You're like, yes, I can't believe I need, this is going to be awesome. And then this is the other part that I like. I like the conversations. I like talking to people, whether we're doing uh, funny science fiction, we have a, we do a live show every Monday night. So whether it's on our live show, whether it's here in a pre-recorded setting, whatever it is, because I like talking to people and I like being able to be part of their story and share their story. And, and that really for, for me is where it's at the editing and promoting and putting stuff out on social media. If I could, if I could afford to hire somebody <laughs> to do that, that would have been done a long time ago. And I feel um, like, I feel like like that's why our team works as well as it does is we have that, that three headed podcaster. We have yeah. the editor, we have the, the booker, we have the people person, which I mean, that's pretty much all I am is the people person. I like talking. Like, or as we have said before, she's the pretty face and <laughs> the girl <laughs> she's the girl <laughs> yeah also I mean, you guys have different perspectives yeah definitely different perspectives but also i mean it's been mentioned by other podcasters that you have a girl podcaster that's a huge thing there are yes. girl podcasters and then specifically being a girl on a non-girl show like yes i am a female podcaster i'm not on a i'm not on a mommy show i'm not housewife I, I mean i am but that's not what i'm doing i'm on a show talking about science fiction i'm a nerd i am gonna talk about star wars and doctor who and dungeons and dragons and like that's not what people expect and that's i think why it's so much fun for me that's great i love that i think you should definitely tap into that more use all of those hashtags <laughs> i feel like too i'm you know how some people like will introduce themselves by their, their Zodiac sign. Huh. I am the person who introduces myself with my D and D character. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm a gnome barbarian. Like that makes no sense, but it works. <laughs> like, and I got nothing, but <laughs> I know, I know the number of people who are like a gnome barbarian. Really? Like it's a three foot tall barbarian. Have you ever tried to wrestle a toddler? That's funny. 
it makes sense. <laughs> I am a toddler with a warhammer, but and I mean that's that's kind of how it's gone on on funny science fiction is the we have people who come in with the hey I've played this RPG for this long I've played this game for this long and I'm like yes let's talk about dice and dragons and nerd things because that's what I do that's just it's it's fun and I'm just rambling <laughs> how did you get into that how do I get into funny science fiction Tim no how did you get into oh the the nerddom and dragons yeah um. I am a born and bred nerd. My parents are nerds. Like I grew up watching Deep Space Nine and Star Trek and Star Wars and Doctor Who when it came back in 2005. And and then when my husband and I got together, when we were dating, he had an online RPG through Google Hangouts. But then it was the, yes, I want to join. I'll play too. And it just kind of evolved from there. That's cute. It's fun. It is a lot of fun. So we've I mean, he GMs our game now, which is great. So we've talked a lot and sort of on topics, but we talked a lot about your love for stories. So of all of the stories that you've found that you've helped share, what's the one that you haven't found yet that you're hoping to find? What is your, your great white whale of stories? Oh man, that's a great question. I will say I had a story recently that just backed out and I was super excited about it. And I kind of feel like sometimes when you have a big whopper story that maybe you shouldn't talk about it because <laughs> then it just goes away. But I watched a documentary about a cult and it's like, after I watched that documentary, I was like, oh my God, like, I feel like this could have happened to me. Like, I was super impressionable and like I got into religion when I lived in LA and I feel like in some ways the way that people get you into religion can be cultish and you know this girl she started off and thought it was like personal development and then these girls befriended her and they seemed like actresses and they seemed more successful than her and she was 19 she was like very impressionable I mean when I moved to LA I didn't know anyone and I had never really like had that many Jewish friends. And, you know, when people started welcoming me into their house for Sh Shabbos, and then they wanted me to dress a little different. They wanted me to not drive on Friday night. And they wanted me to not laugh too loud. It's like little things like started changing about myself. That's kind of how they get you in a cult. Anyway, I wanted to interview this girl about that because she ended up, you know, getting taken advantage of and experiencing abuse and, separating her family and it got really bad and I was like wow like when I started getting into religion like I feel like I kind of got crappy with my parents and distanced some of my friends and became more judgmental and I could see something like that when you're figuring yourself out in your early 20s happening mm -hmm. and so yeah. I really wanted to have a conversation around that that would have been interesting yeah I feel like that's still gonna be that's that's a kind of find the right story. person. Yeah. Yeah. There was also that... a cult expert who has spoken out against that cult and against the way that I became religious. He's spoken out against that organization. So he's one I might want to talk to. <laughs> oh, that would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of maybe talking to somebody who experienced abuse, maybe I could talk to an expert that studies cults and why this happens to people. That could be the other angle. Yeah. That would definitely be an interesting, an interesting I, listen. 
I would like to listen to that. I think that'd be cool. a good. I think that'd be a good episode. All right, Rena, we have one final question for you. And if you've listened to a few of our episodes, then maybe you've noticed that we like to end on a silly question. And so you can answer this as silly or as serious as you like. So here it is. Rena, where's Waldo? In a book. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I used to love Waldo books. I seriously did. And I would pretty much go through the entire book before I would give up. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, I get and I now get I want to get a Waldo book because that would be so much fun with my kids. What a great question. Yeah, uh, that question was inspired by uh, my Facebook memories for today. Uh, a meme of uh, where's Waldo and Carmen San Diego standing there like, you know, like the, the love look holding each other's hands, staring into each other's eyes. <laughs> and the caption says, don't worry, we'll find each other again. Oh, that's so sweet. So that is so sweet. Now I can actually picture like all of the mess and where is he and where are we going to find him and where is he blending in? All right, Rena, we have so appreciated talking to you. We've enjoyed this so much. Where can our viewers and our listeners go to find more about you and the work that you've got and what you've got coming out? Bettercalldaddy.com or on LinkedIn, Instagram, Rena Friedman Watts. Awesome. We will definitely link all of those in our video description so that they can find you. I had so much fun. You guys are amazing hosts and it was wonderful to reconnect with you, Tim. I tried to get my daddy to come up here, but he was spending time with his grandkids. Fair enough. That's all right. Well, hey, everybody, if you haven't already, we want to remind you that subscribing is the single most important thing that you can do to ensure that we get more amazing guests like Rena here to come on, have these conversations for you to listen to. So if you haven't hit that subscribe button yet, do it right now while I finish my spiel. Uh, remember kids, pop culture, it's all around you. It affects every single thing that we do, influences every part of our lives. So to be sure to come back next week because we're gonna have your fix waiting right here for you on Pop Culture Addicts. Bye everybody. Hey, thanks for listening to Pop Culture Addicts. If you're interested in being a guest on a future episode of Pop Culture Addicts, you can reach us on either Instagram or Twitter by using the handle at PCA Pod Show. You can also email us at PCA Pod Show at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Copyright 2021 Pop Culture Addicts. Reference to any specific product or entity mentioned on this podcast does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation of by Pop Culture Addicts or any of its sponsors. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity that they represent. If you have any questions about this disclaimer, please contact us via email at pcapodshow at gmail.com.